Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Queen fans. Producer Giles here with a quick note. We had some technical issues getting this episode together. Recording remotely and bad internets hampered us a little bit on this occasion. But don't worry. All the usual awesome chat and good, good Queen stuff is still here for your listening pleasure. We've just had to use an alternative channel for the first half of Rohan's recording, meaning he will sound a tiny bit muffled. In volume only, of course, never in spirit. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Queen Pod. This episode covers side B of 1977's News of the World. So let me introduce my royal family of Queen Nuts. She's been blowing her horn since she knew she was born. It's comedian Suze Kempner. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. There was an instant look of disappointment when I said that. <laughs> no, it, it, it was expected. <laughs> I mean, I've created a rod for my own back with these things. I suck his mind, he blows my head. It's Queen Documentarian <laughs> Simon Lupton. You promised you'd never tell anyone about that, but hello anyway. He's intoxicated with that special brew. It's comedian John Robbins. <laughs> oh yes, very true. Yeah. Life imitating art. <laughs> uh, and you can't help but hear me say, it's row, it's row, it's row, but not too row. Yes, I'm your host. <laughs> Of the Queen podcast. <laughs> Took me two hours to do those. Two hours. That is a, that's a round of applause. Thank you very well, much. They thank were good. you. They thank were you. Good. That was my that was my entire Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> so shall we pile straight in with Queen Other Champions? We are the champions. We are the champions. Well, mine very just very quickly. I was um, it was when I was researching um, for the the Queen Live context bit that I shall do very shortly um, and I was on the fantasticqueenconcerts.com website which oh, yeah. I'm sure you've all visited because um, I was looking at how the band sort of finished their European leg of their News of the World tour um, which they did with three consecutive nights uh, at the Empire in Wembley um, and on the site there's a really great story about the very last night of the tour from a fan called Steve um, which really made me smile. And so I thought I'd, I'd just quickly share it with you all. Um, so this takes place pre-gig while everyone is queuing outside. And Steve writes, 
I had watched fans being dropped off by double-decker buses and then joining the queues. About 20 minutes before the doors opened, the routine with these buses was broken by one coming in the Wembley compound and going down the stadium side of the arena. The bus was more or less empty, maybe about 10 or so people on board. Amongst the blurred images as it went by was a Brian May-style haircut. And I thought to myself, nah, they wouldn't turn up in a double-decker bus. About five or so years ago, I read an interview with Brian and he was asked what was the strangest way they'd ever arrived at a gig. And he said, well, we've used helicopters, limousines, all sorts, even a London bus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. Which I just thought was genius. (laughs) My God, there's so much to this band. It's amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. Of course, the kind of magic helicopter was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. But now, now... A witnessed double-decker bus. I don't know how you top that. I do not know how to top that. Now, my Queen moment of the week was inspired by uh, Mr John Robbins. Because if you remember, on the Rainbow episode, uh, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about John having made the point that you've got to listen to Queen loud, right? Mm. So hit, hit, that's given me an epiphany. It gave me an epiphany about a week ago, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. That should be the message of our show. Like, just play Queen loud. That's the message of our show. That's the big Queen moment. I'm seeing T-shirts, guys. I'm seeing T-shirts. I'm seeing hashtag <laughs> play Queen Loud. I'm like, if no, one, if no one takes anything other than play Queen Loud from this podcast, then we've done our job. So we've kind of like, like, I just think, I'll just, I'll just slip in, play Queen Loud whenever, like all the time. And, uh, and then like in our blurb, instead of saying, oh, we're a Queen pod and we talk about Queen, we just say like, if you, if you don't see... If you're not going to listen to this, it doesn't matter. Just play Queen Loud. Just uh, literally that. Just uh, yeah. like a, a mission to just get everyone to play Queen Loud. How do we feel about that? It's good I think, advice. I think you might have taken cocaine, Row. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, mate. God cold. <laughs> exactly, exactly the sort of conversation I would expect to have at about at midnight in the Soho Theatre with someone who's just come out of the toilets. <laughs> No, no, that was a phase. I'm over it. Honestly, it's too expensive. Um, all right, well, well, that's my queen moment. That's it. That's what I've got. So that's what I'm chum. That's what I'm throwing down. PQL. PQL on t-shirt, Simon. PQL. Just PQL, right? Yeah. It's a riff on Thingy, Queen Productions Limited. They're QPL. Yeah, QPL. We're PQL. PQL, QPL. Yeah, okay. Come on. It's just three letters, that's all we need. Listen, let's do some <laughs> Patreon thank yous. Suze. I'd just like to say thank you to Steve Denner, Natalie O'Hara and Bob, a champion with a Yahoo address. Bob Champion, the Grand National winning jockey. Bob Cha- <laughs> it was Bob Champion. Bob Champion who won the Grand National on Alderney Thank you for being a Patreon. If you want to get your name shouted out on the pod, just go along to patreon.com forward slash queenpod, see how you can get involved. Uh, Queen badges are going out to those of you that have, uh, they've turned up, Queen Pod badges are going out to those of you that have already joined us and we thank you all very, very much. Listen, let's get on to the work, shall we? This album is nuts. All right, so... 
We are on News of the World, Side B, released 28th of October 1977 on EMI in the UK and Electra in the USA, uh, produced by Queen with Mike Stone, engineered by Mike Stone, recorded July to September 1977, um, and it peaked at number four on the official charts. What a brilliant, brilliant album this is. I have a little story. I don't know if you remember on the last... Um, episode uh, I talked about Andy Turner uh, who was a assistant at, at Wessex Studios while they were recording this and I told a little story about how Roger Taylor would turn up two days early to tune up his drums and all that kind of stuff do you remember that so I've got a little another little anecdote from Andy Andy Turner and he says uh uh, he remembers, one of my duties for Freddie was to go down to the bakery on Dalston High Street every morning before he arrived and get him some Mr Kipling almond slices to go with his tea. Basically, Freddie told me that no one else in the band was allowed any of his almond slices, but that I could help myself. To be honest, I thought this was just Fred being Fred. But one afternoon, Brian took an almond slice without asking and there was a minor row about it. Freddie made this big announcement, no one is allowed to touch my almond slices, no one. Except Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so rock and roll. There you go. So there's some there's some juicy background on uh, on uh, on news of the world. But uh, Simon, we must have an update from you on the progress Jolly. of our mighty four. Jolly good. Well, I'm not quite sure how I follow almond slices, but I will do my very best. Um, I'm going to do something slightly different this week. Um, so never let it be said that this podcast is predictable and boring. Um, but before I do, I will obviously quickly give everyone their fix of what Queen were doing live at this time. Um, basically, they went to America in November 1977 and totally bossed it. They did 26 shows over the course of six weeks. If you haven't seen it, there's a documentary called Queen Rock the World, which tells the story of this tour. Um, and the behind the scenes footage is breathtaking. So it, it was um, the documentary that was being shot by Bob Harris at the time. Um, and he got some amazing access. Um, there's a sort of famous crown lighting rig, which is just looks extraordinary. Um, and the set list is full of, well, proper bangers, really. I mean, we're talking Somebody to Love, We Will Rock You, Fast version, Death on Two Legs, Liar, Stone Cold Crazy, Tie Your Mother Down, I'm In Love With My Car. You get the gist. Um, most noticeably, the band decide not to have a support act for the first time, which means more time for Queen. Um, and as such, each concert lasts around two and a quarter hours, featuring oh, yes, 26 wow. songs, um, 27 if you include God Save the Queen at the end, which is immense. It's amazing. Um, they then take a couple of months off at the beginning of 1978 before squeezing in another 20 shows around Europe, finishing at Wembley, as we mentioned, um, and then it's back into the studio for jazz. So that's where they were live. But now for something completely different. I wanted to draw your attention to the BBC session that was recorded on the 28th of October in 1977. Um, now, for those who don't know, essentially these were opportunities for bands to promote their latest albums by being featured in a special programme on BBC Radio. However, rather than just play the album versions of the songs, the band would have to head over to the recording studio in Maida Vale and create unique versions just for the programme. Uh, now, this is where it gets interesting because Queen were booked in to record four tracks from the News of the World album. The booking was from 2.30pm right through until 2am, and that was it. That's all the time they had. Um, it was produced by Jeff Griffin, who said of the recording, 
I should point out that we were still only recording eight tracks at the time and we couldn't use everyone bloody overdubbing the guitar. So I did make it very clear to Brian that I didn't want this to get out of hand. We have to be disciplined <laughs> about this because we want to get the four tracks done and out and mixed by the end of the session. And he said, yeah, OK, no problem. Nothing out of hand. And we stuck to that. So I thought we should we could play quickly play a few excerpts from the session. Um, the first of interest is We Will Rock You. Um, now, when the band returned to the control room um, to hear it back, they were surprised to hear a female voice telling a story about Buddha at the end of their take. And this was because the tape that was being used contained remnants of a Radio 4 programme that had been recorded a few days earlier. <laughs> the band thought it was great and so decided to include it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. So, ha have a listen to this. <laughs> Buddha rejected Brahmanism and mocked at its rituals. As for Brahma, the Buddha didn't deny his existence, but regarded him as a deluded spirit who imagined he had created the universe. Oh, That's wow. So That's like, very cool. It's That's... like White Album or something. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So from, from mistakes come, come genius, clearly. Mm. You sound so cool. I agree with their choice. Mm. So are these the, is the, this is the same BBC session that's on the uh, News of the World box, the box set, set the bonus yeah. tracks. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Because um, the next one I wanted to play was from It's Late um, because it's completely different to the album version because there's this amazing improvised section in the middle which is clearly heavily inspired by Get Down, Make Love. So it's sort of a bit of a It's Late, Get Down, Make Love mm -hmm. mashup. So, oh, yeah. Um, see, see what you think of this. It's late. Amazing. I mean, it's quite extraordinary to think they did this in a 12-hour session. Uh, they mm. did four songs. Um, and then this last one... this well. Yeah. Mm. This one is especially for you, Ro, because I, I remember how you've you've fallen in love with the version of Somebody to Love from the Isle of Wight in yes. 2016 because of the heavy section at the end that you just don't see coming. Yeah. Um, so, similar thing, but for Spread Your Wings... I've With genuinely got butterflies. Serious piano playing from Fred. So have a listen to this. This is amazing.
you go. Queen mm. nailing it once again. <laughs> oh, Simon, my God. You've just taken a song that I quite like and elevated it to a song I love, like when John took uh, gave me the Nico Case version of uh, Misfire. And I just yeah. went, oh, no, I love this song. You've just done that <laughs> to spread your wings. I'm going, that's it. As far as I'm concerned, that now replaces spread your wings for me forever. Oh. <laughs> Thank you it's very, very much. How considering what a talented group of musicians they are, how rarely you actually get to hear them improvising. Mm. Um, not, And I think that's what makes them such a great band, is that they're always so tight, even when they're being quite elaborate with the music. But m most bands with four such talented musicians in would probably go, OK, and this is the section where we kind of fool around, and this is the bit where... You know, Brian can go off on one, but they, they never did that because they never wanted to get too baggy. So it's a real treat to hear them sort of kicking loose Cut a bit. loose a bit, yeah. yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. And also, what is it about John Deacon's songs that can kind of handle that kind of upscaling yeah. or messing around with, you know? It's great. Mm. It's yeah. great. Fantastic. God. That, do you know what? <clears throat> I, that, that is almost, as Simon says, level. you have blown my mind already and we haven't even got to your section <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> And uh, just before this episode, Simon sent us all a message going, oh, no, I'm going to try and pull out the stop. So so no pressure now oh. on what you're going to be doing later <laughs> in this episode, Simon. No pressure, mate. It's got to be good, though. Yeah, it's got to be really right. good. Um, just you keep know. talking and let me just think about that. Sure, 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 sure. I think uh, if you are going to listen to that uh, track, listeners, you should, you should play it loud. Play, play Queen loud. So uh, let us get on to the first track on side B of this album, which is... Uh, Bonkers song called Get Down, Make Love. <laughs> So, John, is it too much? <laughs> it's so. First off, it's a song my friends would tease me about so much when I forced them to listen to Queen. They would say, "Why do you put on that that making love song?" Um, I I think perhaps. Uh, Two points I would make. Um, it's a well, three. It's a very odd tempo for a Queen song. Point one. Uh, that in that sort of slow intro, it's very sort of languorous, which I guess fits with the subject matter. But it is. A, it's almost too sexy. <laughs> too sexy. Is that point two? And um, 
I, I think a rule, perhaps, with rock bands talking about sex is sort of show, don't tell. And there's an awful lot of telling going on in um, Get Down, Make Love. It's v- And showy. Yes, it's very um, spinal tap mm. in a... A little bit of smell the glove for you. It is a little. <laughs> well, it, that could almost be a line from it. I think it's a. It's quite a ludicrous song, and the problem is that I don't think it. It knows how ludicrous it is. Well, I mean, I'm not. It's not my favourite Queen song by any stretch. It makes me sort of laugh and cringe. Yes, but I'm not. But anti how much it. affection do you have for it? I I would have to say. I I. I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be upset if it wasn't on News of the World. <laughs> Are you embarrassed by it? It's very sexy, but it doesn't feel it is very sexy. sexy. Okay. I'm not I'm not entirely convinced, despite each member being sexy in their own unique ways. The Queen are a sexy band. Do you know what I mean? And I we yeah, may have discussed this before, that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Rolling Stones, the music sounds sexy. Like Queen music often sounds very rocky and brutal and sort of thrusty and sweaty and euphoric. And, sounds pretty sexy um, to me. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced that they're a sexy song band. Okay. But I'm interested to hear what everyone <laughs> thinks about Get Down, Limit, Make Love, because it is one of those sort of, it's neither a, a, it's not a lost hit, let's put it that way. I'd love to know what I think. I'm sure Brian and Roger kind of think it's kind of ridiculous. I'd love to know. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when Freddie first pitched the song. All right. All right. It's not body language. <laughs> I can say that. But yeah, it's not hot like body language. It's uh yeah, it's not I think it's a rare miss. Although like I feel like if it was more like the chorus, which feels a little bit more um fun and um takes itself a little bit less seriously, you know, the uh every time I get high, so I wanna cool down. I think that's quite fun. And if the song had more of that mood, I think I would find it more of a pleasure to listen to um ironically i do not find this song a pleasure to listen to but what i can say is listening to it in this context i went oh i see how they got to another one bites the dust oh yeah okay. which is a much that's hotter a song that's a good point um, some disco yeah heat. But... <laughs> you know I, th- I think a good test of whether a song is sexy is could you listen to it while you were having sex <laughs> and if this came on while you were having sex, you would both look at each other, you would giggle, and then you would you would turn off the song. Yeah, put meatloaf on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, so basically, because I've had a lot of cocaine, I am now massively in love with this song, right? I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I think I wasn't that enamoured with this song when I was younger, but now I really enjoy it because it is enormously distinctive you know, the, the adjective that's used for Freddie Mercury a lot is outrageous. And this is one of the things that he's done that earns him that adjective. It is an outrageous song. It's very funny. The lyrics are very funny. I, th- I think it's very tongue-in-cheek. I can feel Freddie's sense of humour in it. It is deliberately an outrageous track. It is a very unusual-sounding track. Uh, and I think there's a lot of experimentation going on it. So I'm quite the fan. 
I think it's tongue in cheek in a literal sense. <laughs> There's, yeah. He's putting his tongue in your cheek. Um, <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Go on, Simon. What do you What do you think? Uh, no, I, I don't disagree with 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 the, the general mood of the um, of the pod. Um, I, I think it it demonstrates um, a bit a bit of a shift in, in Queen, and that they they seem to be flexing their muscles a bit. I mean, remember this is from the seventies, so there was very much a very stuffy establishment that would have absolutely disappeved of this song right. and would have been yeah. looking for yeah. any yeah. excuse to to get rid of it or ban it. And um, I think Freddie's really clever with the lyrics in that they are, there's no ambiguity in there, but they don't feel deliberately shocking. The way he's constructed it, I think is really clever in that he's getting his point across, but there's nothing you can take exception to because of the the choice of words that he's the way he's constructed it so i think it's really clever but i, I i'm with you i don't think they meant this to be taken seriously not at all. Uh, it not reminded at all. me a bit of relax really it's by goes to hollywood that yeah sort of right deliberately out there to sort of stir things up a bit yeah yeah. But it doesn't feel quite as on the nose as frankie goes to hollywood was yeah but i don't know i enjoy I the lyrics that... i think they're funny yeah I... I don't. I don't think. I don't think they're intentionally funny. <laughs> I don't think. I think he thought that I give you meat would people be like, oh yeah, but it's just like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when, like Frankie goes, Fra- relax by Frankie goes to Hollywood. You would put on in a club and people lose their minds and dance that. Yeah. My question about this song is, when would you listen to Get Down Make Love? <laughs> like straight after Body Language. <laughs> yeah. I, I think perhaps during, during the act of lovemaking, like the instructions are clear. The instructions. <laughs> they, okay, shall we move on? I think, I think we should we? just move on. But just before we do I, do, I do, I do want to treat you to something, just a little something, something, if you'll indulge me, because are you guys familiar with the work of Mr. Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails? Because oh, I know they've done a version of They this, have yeah. covered this song, and I thought you might like to hear a little bit of it. <laughs> yes, please. Go on. Tell me that song isn't sexy, guys. <laughs> That's about I, as sexy I, I, as it gets, right? I wonder if the problem is that the the, the term "make love" is yeah. not a sexy term. It's no? a sort of polite, Romantic. slightly poetic term, but it's not. A, it's not sort of doesn't get you going. I'm gonna, well, especially yeah. When we like... get home, I'm going <laughs> to immediately make love to you inside our bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like a song that's going like, so you can sit there and imagine doing it in a bed. <laughs> can I, if if this is the first 
of the Queen Pod you're listening to, listener, please <laughs> stick with us. This this isn't normally yeah. what it's like. Oh, we're oh, big fans like of the band. It's like this for another hour and a half. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we are, we are, we are, we are. Um, look, I I am going to draw a tiny bit of attention to the skill that they put into this because we are still in the era of albums where they put no synthesizers um, mm. were used on the, in making this album, right? And so all those crazy sound, psychedelic sound effects you're hearing, obviously not produced as a synth, it's Brian creating them on his Red Special uh, with an electroharmonics frequency analyzer pedal, uh, and he's doing that live while the studio recording uses an eventide harmonizer. I don't know what any of that means, but Brian explains the harmonizer sound effects to BBC. He explained it to BBC Radio One in '83, and said that's the harmonizer thing which I use. I've used it as a noise rather than a musical thing. It's controlled because I had a special little pedal made, which means I can change the interval at which the harmonizer comes back and the harmonizer's fed back on itself. So it all it makes all these swooping noises, and it's just an ex- exercise in using that together with Freddie's noises. It's sort of an erotic interlude. Right, so mm. okay, go. it is sexy. It's That's clearly it. ironic. Brian said so. It's official. I feel like we've covered this song in all kinds of glory. So let us uh, get on to love of our lives. <laughs> This is the section of the show where we I, I touch upon a little listener letter. And we've been getting all this lovely uh, feedback from you guys out there. Um, uh, just talking a little bit about um, what you guys are going through. And it's amazing that we're, you know, we're sharing what we're doing with you guys. And, and you guys are getting something out of this. This is a, note, a, a lovely letter we got from Trish Kohut. Um, uh, entitled My Queen Story. And she's so nice. She says... Um, uh, to all of the wonderful people at the Queen Pod, hello, my name is Trish, I'm 22 years old, and I've been a Queen fan since practically my birth. My parents were constantly playing the Queen Greatest Hits CDs while I was growing up, and Queen Live at Wembley 86 seemed to always be on my TV. Once I got into middle school, I took the time to listen to their entire discography from start to finish. This is where I believe my adoration for Queen truly began to flourish. I proceeded to watch every interview and concert film I could get my hands on, and I very quickly became a super fan. However, I didn't just admire Queen for their music. At this time in my life, I was picked on a lot in school and didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. I was always in my own head and cared way too much about what other people thought of me. By immersing myself in all things Queen-related, I was seeing how Freddie and the band carried themselves and it had a really big impact on me. Freddie in particular stood out the most because he didn't care if people thought he was strange or if people didn't like him. He fully embraced being himself and seeing this made me realise that if Freddie is happy and OK with being himself, then I should be too. As I've grown older, my love for Queen has only increased and my confidence has risen with it. Listening to Queen gives me a power that I didn't know I had and I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today without them. I've seen Queen and Adam Lambert in concert twice and this is why I'm reading on this episode and I recently had Spread Your Wings tattooed on my arm in Freddie's handwriting as the perfect homage to my favourite band and my own personal journey. Thank you all for putting together and producing this amazing podcast. Thank you. That's a very nice thing to say, Trish. I never miss an episode... It's such a nice feeling to be able to listen to people other than myself geek out about the best band there ever was. Keep on tearing it up because this pod is truly a kind of magic. Cheers, Trish. How mm. nice. Oh, Thank you so for nice. sharing that. Thank yeah, you. It's so nice of you. It, it's, uh, uh, speaking of Queen and Adam Lambert, which uh, Trish mentioned there, I was going to say Get Down, Make Love was the one track... They, they let Adam choose a track for the live yes. show. I mean, obviously, all all three of them 
sort of put the set list together, but they said you can have a sort of free choice. And when they played that at the O2, <laughs> if you'd asked me what non-greatest hit Queen were going to play at the O2, it, it would have been the last song I would have suggested. <laughs> and then suddenly, in front of all these people who just, I don't know, finished sort of rocking out to bicycle race or don't stop me now suddenly they went in to get down make love it was such a great moment because you could tell that it was the first time some of those people were hearing that song oh, yeah. so that was a really nice yeah nice yeah. moment as a as a queen fan yeah. yeah yeah it's amazing when they pull these tracks out from the back catalogue and what a naughty one to pull out i think it's amazing um so thank you so much trish uh, okay listen let's have some uh, more patreon thank you simon i would like to send huge thanks to uh, angela lant tim robinson and paul fitzgerald who are all heroes in my eyes yay thanks thank guys. you guys it's so nice Yes, lovely. Patreon.com forward slash Queen Pod and get yourself shouted out on this pod. How nice. Okay, let's get back to the works with a, a lovely song called Sleeping on the Sidewalk by Brian May. It's three minutes and seven seconds long and it is groovy. <laughs> track do you guys know that this is the only queen song to be recorded in one take i read that uh, and i i didn't understand if that meant every single not the member vocals of the not the vocals ah, the vocals are added later okay. but the actual yeah so brian uh, again in that 1983 bbc radio one interview he said that was the quickest song i ever wrote in my life i just wrote it down it's funny because it's one of the ones I'm quite pleased with as well. It's not trying too hard. It's not highly subtle, but I think it leaves me with quite a good feeling. It was a sort of one-take thing as well, although I messed around with the take a lot and chopped it about and rearranged it. It was basically the first take which we used. So it has that kind of sloppy feel that I think works with the song, which we never would have dreamed with the previous albums. We always used to work on the backing tracks until they were a million percent perfect. And if they weren't, we would splice together two which were would go to great lengths. But for this album, we wanted to get that spontaneity back in. Apparently, John plays a couple of wrong notes in there. You can hear Brian laughing right at the end of the track. It's mm. very cool. I'm really fond of this one. And, and you know, it, it really doesn't come as a surprise that Brian would have come up with this because I imagine if you are a rock guitarist that that you just love the blues, you know, the tw- a 12-bar blues. Of course, and, yeah. yeah. Um, just playing that kind of wandering bass line 
and you know just yeah the walking on... back john yeah roger and, and, and brian are incredible on this track like. you just get to noodle on top of it and and play around and it's one of those ones that feels very improvised even though clearly it's it's not but it just as he says it feels loose um i think the other thing that's really interesting as well is we, we should remember that this album was it was at this time that the band were making a really concerted effort to to crack america um and I think this song is a bit of a nod to that audience and gone, they would they would like this across the pond. Um, and I think that's really, you know, because they did that later with Crazy Little Thing Called Love, sure, which is yeah. the, which was their first number one in, in yeah. the States. And, yeah. um, you know, that Elvis could have sung that easily. Yeah, um, it's got that American sound. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So, a lot of the um, does. I love it. And, you know, it's just it's just the band rocking out and having fun. Mm. I think it's great. Mm. I've got the deluxe edition of this album and it's got an offcut on it called Feelings, Feelings. And I presume they were picking between that and this to include on the album. So if one stayed, the other one went. And then when I listened to this for this podcast, I figured they'd chosen that because it's kind of like Queen's story, but uh, distilled down to mm. this um, brass player mm. and... Uh, then I went, ah, oh, that's why they chose that. But I yeah, like yeah. it. I think it's a really fun track. And it's one of those tracks you're like, I'll play you this. You know, that's Queen. And people yeah. would go, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that occurred to me is, you know, it doesn't have to be about a trumpet player. The man plays the guitar. He can make it about a guitar player. But he makes it mm-hmm. about a trumpet player so that he can make his guitar sound like a trumpet. It's amazing. Yeah. John, where, 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 where are you on this track? I really like it. I think, uh, like Simon said, the word is fond. I'm really fond of this track. Uh, I think it's really sweet. It's not too complex. It doesn't, it like Brian said, it sort of doesn't take itself too seriously. It is, it is right that it was recorded in that quite um, spontaneous way. But I think what's interesting about sort of today's discussion and is going to continue to be is that I think this is the most unqueen side of any Queen mm. album, and. The songs are so different from what we are used to up till now. Mm. We've got like four, five different styles, and they're also styles that we never really see again in Queen. So the closest really to um, to Sleeping on the Sidewalk is probably their rock and roll medley that they do live. Mm. What we're going to go on to, do, to talk about, Who Needs You in My Melancholy Blues? And if you took, and even It's Late is kind of, quite an epic song and each of them is so different that it it feels like sort of queen on this half of the album are, like you say sort of stretching their genre muscles a bit and saying we can you know we can dip into there there and there and there's a lot of what Suze was saying about songs that you would play someone and they, they would go is this queen mm. so I think that's what makes it a really interesting side of the album and you get lots of you I'm, I'm, I bet there are more different opinions amongst Queen's fans about this side of this album than there are about many others. I've got to say, I prefer this side of the album to side A. Well, I'll say that much. I really mm. enjoy this side of the album. I think it's wonderful. I have a lot of fun with, this, with these tracks. I think they're all great fun. I, I think for a lot of the reasons that you're saying, they are quite unusual. Um, you, know, uh, there's, you know, there's a couple of tracks on this album that I'm less enamoured with, but big fan of Get Down, Make Love, what can I say? <laughs> Um, I think it's time to play a game. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Let's do that. Play the game, play the game, play the game. 
Hey, gang. Hey, Hi. Listener Joe Shearmacher has written in asking, if Freddie were alive today, what do you think he'd be doing? Well, I think he'd be an absolute superstar. Uh, John mentioned a couple of... Uh, a, a couple of pods ago that he would be a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. I love that mm. idea so oh, much. I would love to see Freddie on I Drag Race. I think it'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be a wonderful presence to have. Yeah. I wonder if they might have gone through a period where maybe they were less cool and then super cool again more recently, you know what yeah. I mean? That kind of thing that happened to Bowie um, mm-hmm. and to Elton John, you know, but then... Even Rod Stewart's cooled out, and there was definitely a period where Rod was maybe not quite as universally considered as cool as he was in his youth, you know. Yeah. I wonder. Mm. But um, I think he'd be doing immense things. Yeah, we've touched on this before. I think he would have he would have written an opera or a musical yeah. or something yeah. like that. He would have... I think he'd probably be doing more writing and producing stuff. I, I, I'm not sure he would have carried on performing because he's such an energetic performer and it's hard to do that, you know, the older you get. And if he couldn't manage that level, I'm not sure he would have wanted to. But then would he have been able to get rid of the bug of walking out in front of thousands of people and having people mm. adore him? Probably not. So <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um I I think he would have be a he'd be an absolute absolute national treasure yeah, yeah he would be on on that list of national treasures up there with Stephen Fry and Miriam Margulies and all yeah. those people that you know everyone just Kathy Burke people that people universally love um I think he would probably be involved in theatre and in opera and I wonder if he would be doing rec- more recording as opposed to performing I'd love to think there was another collaboration with Montserrat Caballé mm. somewhere down the line. He was also Maybe... passionate about art and fashion, wasn't he? Oh, he'd have such an insane art collection. Mm. Yeah. And I, I can see him as someone who would have sort of wanted to be involved in maybe having a production company for theatre or dance or, or something. And I think he would have been dressed so well. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Because... Would he have been a guest host on Have I Got News For You? Like, what kind of stuff would he be... What would we be seeing him in? Would he be doing, like, documentaries? And I'm not sure he would want to be himself on TV too much. He doesn't strike me as the sort of person that was particularly comfortable talking outside of his... You know, he did very few interviews. He's often quite shy in them. Um, I don't know. It's whether he would have wanted to be a TV personality. I don't know how he would have around to that i don't think he'd be a sort of big social media user or anything like that he'd, he'd i'm sure he'd have said something i haven't got time for that my dear yeah. <laughs> i think he would have moved into that space you know, a bit like tom jones is now it just doesn't matter how old you are you just can't help but love tom jones he's, he's yeah. in the national treasure yeah. category and i think freddie would yeah. have been treated in a similar way just of recognizing that here's someone who's just supremely talented and you just say, "Go on, Freddie, give us a, give us a tune," and he'd just belt something mm. out and just leave everyone with their jaws on their floor on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I would love him as a yeah. judge on The Masked Singer as well, please. Be <laughs> so good. Just for you, just oh, he'd be, he'd be so a great fun. as a contestant. He'd be a great contestant. <laughs> I mean, literally, everyone would go, "Well, that's Freddie Mercury." Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. genuinely, 
Albert, any singer that you're ever going to have on the Masked Singer, Freddie is the only one. There's no, there's no point. Unless he went on and unless he went on and did that, like because on the um, Barcelona album, there's a song called "Exercises in Free Love" where he's singing the soprano line, and um, it, like you wouldn't know it was uh, Freddie. You wouldn't know it was a guy singing that maybe top yeah. A's. so maybe yeah, you'd be yeah. like that and people would be like "Ooh, it's Leslie Garrett <laughs> be, be very funny if he came on episode one and just wearing I don't know like a Christmas tree costume and just went <laughs> like, the director's just got his head in his hands <sighs> oh god <laughs> oh god I whatever he's him. doing he's being a legend that's for sure yeah, yeah I want him I'd like I like the idea because like he was on that uh, Kenny Everett mm. radio show that was so funny and it reminded me of like it's kind of the closest thing we've got from the 70s to like a modern podcast like a loose modern podcast so I bet he'd have ended up on some podcast with like Elton John having a couple of drinks or well, Elton wouldn't, wouldn't he but um yeah, <laughs> just yeah. just um kicking back and they'd be People would go, oh my god, have you heard that podcast where yeah. that episode where Freddie Mercury's on? It's the funniest thing. I didn't know he was so funny, and he'd get yeah. known for being so funny. And he'd probably yeah, go yeah. on Question Time and do a big swear. Oh yes, <laughs> Freddie Mercury on Question Time, please. That yeah. would be awesome. Brian's been on. Have you Has and he? like have you seen that? What's that show called where Simon Day is uh, an old prog rock? He's called Brian Pearl. Oh, I can't uh, remember what the show's yes. called. It's Brian really Pearl funny, but the, yeah. yeah, but Roger Taylor shows up on that playing himself, playing like a version of himself a couple of times, and he's so funny. And I like the idea of Freddie showing up on stuff I like think that, Freddie like might a fun have, version of himself. Yeah, maybe turned up on extras or something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he would have been hanging out with, because he loved Kenny Everett and people like that. He really enjoyed the company of comedians, didn't he? And, mm. um, yeah, yeah, amazing. amazing. What a beautiful... Uh, idea. I. It's so sad that he is not here with us still. Yeah. Because anything that he'd have been up to would have been exciting, and compelling, and oh, just always, always uh, breathtaking. What a guy! Um, and thank you so much, Joe, for that question. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly tugs at the heartstrings that one. Um, but I also want to give at this point a little shout out to one Tony Stewart Brown. Uh, whose Insta tag is at ToadySB.art, who, bless him, you guys all see this, haven't you? The um, yeah. That Hot Space album cover with our faces oh, yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> and he's given me a Freddie moustache and everything. I just love him. So, yeah. That's brilliant. Where was he when I was trying to do my tour poster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he oh, heard mate. that you were on version 27 of that and he just doesn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. We definitely want to make T-shirts of those. So thank you, Tony. And, uh, yeah, listeners, go check out um, at TonySB.art. All of his stuff is so cool. And it, it's so different to the stuff that he normally does. So, um, yeah, thanks for putting out the stops on that, man. It, it really, really put a huge grin on our faces. Listen, John, how do you feel? About thanking a few Patreons. Uh, I would like to say thank you. A big thank you to Alexander Small. Another thank you to Christine Warrington. And a very special thank you to Lucky Lulu Green. Yeah, Lucky Lulu. Thanks, Lucky Lulu. Thanks, Christine. Thanks, Alexander. Thank you so much, guys. Um, All right, listen, let's get back to these songs. Uh, We're into uh, John Deacon's second song on this album, um, uh, which is Who Needs You? 
there we go. Jolly little ditty from John Deacon. Suze, where do you stand on uh, Who Needs You? It's like the shady, cheeky, blase version of Build Me Up Buttercup. Oh. <laughs> so you know how, like, Build Me Up Buttercup, Build Me Up Buttercup is a, lo- is a song I love. It's one of my favourite songs. Uh, but it's very like, Wah! and this song is the same subject matter, but it's more like, nah. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's the shadiest, shadiest deaky track. It's very, it's throwing shade and side eyes to some melon twisting hussy. <laughs> Sorry, do you like this? <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. That was my, um, that was my uh, rundown of what I think of it. And also my mark out of 10 is pretty great. Okay, perfect. That's yeah, great. That's so good. Um, so Simon, you put this in your top ten John Deacon songs, right? Round about number eight, if I remember right, was about that's, that. That's yeah, it's I, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's it's interesting because we've sort of not really talked about what you might regard as filler on an album. I mean, I don't think this ever was intended to be a, or considered as a single or anything like that. But I don't. I don't want to think that filler is a derogatory term. I think it's just a great little ditty. Um, and I'm not sure if there's any other Queen song where the mood of the lyrics is so different to the mood <laughs> of a melody. Yeah, actually, um, the lyrics are really quite Yeah, dark. but it works yeah. so well. And, yeah. and you've got Brian on Maracas, you've got Freddie on a cowbell. And yeah, you true. just kind of think, you, you know... Do I think, oh, I can't wait for the Grammys or the Brit Awards or the Ivan Novellos to come flooding in for this one? No. But does it make me smile and think, oh, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think it's I think it's great. I love you it. You certainly feel that Freddie really enjoys this. He always seems to enjoy John Deacon's songs, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, uh, John writes very well for Freddie's voice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a very true point. Uh, where are you, Mr Robbins, on uh, uh, Who Needs You? Well, I think it's really good that Simon has made that point about the the term filler because mm. i don't think it's uh, a criticism or a necessary negative because let's face it every every artist every band who's ever made an album knows you, you can't write 12 number one singles mm. it's just it's not possible and an album needs to have different moods and it needs to have sort of um pauses and and lulls and more relaxing bits and different pace and rhythm and tempo so wh- whereas like the first four albums, well, actually, what I mean by that is Queen One, Queen Two, and Night of the Opera are ev- everything is working towards the whole of that. There is it's sort of all killer, no filler. Um, but I think even though this is what I might call a slight song, I I really like it. And if I was going to direct the music video, <laughs> we would be on a beachfront bar yeah, in Cuba, yeah, in Havana. Yeah. Freddie would be wearing a white linen suit oh, yeah. with a Panama hat. Oh, yeah. And Roger, Brian and John would be standing next to him like a, a, a mariachi band. <laughs> really red sleeves. And Freddie would be walking through the bar, sipping his martini, uh, turning to greet people while he <laughs> sang to camera. Oh, my God. And the three of them would just be following him round, Brian with his little sort of <laughs> Spanish guitar, uh, uh, Roger with his maracas, uh, and John with, I don't know how we're going to get a very small portable bass, but maybe a little <laughs> acoustic bass. And I just think it would be absolutely delightful. And 
He sort of passes a, a barman who's shaking up a, a rum punch. I can just see it. John, I like it, I like it. It's an amazing vision. <laughs> That's an amazing vision. John, you've got this ability for um, John Deacon tracks that I'm less enamoured with. You improve them somehow so <laughs> wonderfully for me. Thank you. That is a, uh, an image I'm not going to get out of my head. Um, yes, yeah, so as Simon mentioned, Brian and, uh, is on the Maracas, Freddie's on the Cowbell, um, and it's John and Brian playing Spanish guitars on the track, with Brian playing his electric guitar entirely on the uh, left channel and Freddie's vocals entirely on the right. So I think there's a playfulness to the whole song. It mm. is lovely that they're doing a little calypso in the middle of nowhere, uh, just out of nowhere, on quite a rocky album. It's still stripped back in keeping with the sound of the whole album. Um, and it is fun. It's fun. It's really, really fun. There's, uh, it's nice for them to stop and just do a little cheeky little Calypso number like this. And, uh, so I have no issues with it. But would I listen to it that often? Probably not. Probably not. Brian also Ooh. fits in quite a lot of different <laughs> guitar styles on this. Mm. If, you, if you listen to just the guitar sort of tracks, he's got the Spanish guitar. He's got those wonderful little harmonics that I'd actually not noticed until you played it that time which is one thing right one wow. of the many things i love about this show is you suddenly hear something you're like oh, i yes. never noticed those little harmonics before mm. and then he's got the more sort of um um i don't know what he's using there it's almost like a volume pedal with that with the, oh, i can't won't even try and replicate it with my mouth um, <laughs> but he's got that more sort of phased sound and then he's got that really nice sound right at the end yeah mm-hmm. i love it yeah yeah it's lovely That then brings us so neatly to uh, Simon Says, because he's guaranteed to blow your mind. Guaranteed to blow your mind. Well, here we go. I'm going to start with um, a track that Sue's alluded to earlier on, because (gasps) it's on the News of the World box set um, and is a bonus disc. It is a song called Feelings, Feelings, which I thought we had to mention at some point in this pod. Um, this was originally a song written by Brian in 1971 um, called Feelings, oh. um, but it didn't really progress beyond just essentially a guitar and drum jam. Um, so they revisited it in 1977 during the News of the World recording sessions and, wor- and worked on it and it became Feelings, Feelings. Um, and there was take 10 of the session was released in the 2017 40th anniversary box set. Um, I believe that Take 9 is also out there if you go hunting for it, with slightly different lyrics, if you're that interested. Um, But as you know, the song ultimately didn't make the album, so never got the full Queen treatment, as it were. Um, But it's interesting nonetheless, so I thought we should indulge in a little little clip of Feelings Feelings. Just to be 
I don't think I've ever heard that before. Well, it is a oh, curiosity, but it's the one that just missed out on the album. Um, so there's a debate maybe to have as to would you take a track out and replace it with uh, a fully worked out feelings feelings. Let's not go there, people. But um, <laughs> one, one for the pub maybe one day. Well, I don't I don't think I would. I don't think I would put it in because as as much as Get Down, Make Love is not my favourite Queen song, it is... I like that it exists. It's part of this album, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so another little treat for you here. Um, I stumbled across this um, courtesy of Mr. Greg Brooks. Um, It's a really unusual live version of Spread Your Wings. Um, And I know we've featured Spread Your Wings a lot, and so I ummed and but I think this is worth showing. I have no idea where this is from. Um, it doesn't say which, which tour sort of spread your wings sort of faded in and out of the set list and was still there in the early 80s but um, I suspect this is probably late 70s when this one uh, was done and it's just completely different and I thought it would be something fun to, to share so um, have a listen to this Goosebumps and everything. I just love oh, it. It's just them it's having beautiful. fun, messing around with the song. But you know, if that was late seventies, so when Spread Your Wings was a really well-known track, to t- turn up at a gig and have them play it totally differently, mm. I think it's just great. And what makes the oh, live like experience so special song. and unique. Oh, Do you think they did that well. because Elton John was in the audience? Maybe, possibly. Although actually, Saturday Night was a song that they did quite a lot. Not it was never part sort of a, a permanent member of the set list, but if you look at tours right the way through, up into the eighties, it, it got played occasionally. I think it was one of those tracks they just enjoyed riffing with. Oh wow! Um, I had no idea. Right, because yeah, because that came out early seventies, didn't it? Saturday night. It was must it was be yeah, really mm. early seventies. So mm. you know, ten years later, they're still having fun with it. But maybe you're right. Mm. Maybe that was the one where Elton turns up and they thought, "Ego, Elton." Is one for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! What a treat! What an absolute treat! Uh, a round of applause for Mr. Simon Lupton. Thank you very much. What a treat! Thank Those you. were stops pulled out, sir. Never saw that coming. Thank yeah. you very, very much. <laughs> Genuine treats. How brilliant! Um, all right, listen. Let's get on to this monster. <laughs> it's so mm. big. Yes. It's so big. It's so good. It's a Brian May epic. It's six and a half minutes long, listeners, uh, and it's called "It's Late." I think to tackle this, 
I'm going to play like the opening of the song because it's an amazing opening to any song. John's mentioned it before. Let's listen to a nice old chunk of it there. And then I kind of want to play a bit from uh, the end as well. Uh, uh, just so for the record, if listeners, if you haven't listened to this song, the middle bit is also amazing. <laughs> just listen to all of it. Uh, but let's, let's start by listening to the open of this um, glorious track. like one of the best riffs in all of Queen. It's like a now I'm here type level riff, isn't it? And that that it's that moment right at the beginning of the song. I think you mentioned it before, John, where where he sort of plays those two those initial chords and it just goes ding ding and you know it's all about to go and ah oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. Um let's listen to how completely bonkers it gets as well, shall we, towards the end of the song and then we can get a nice old chat in about it. <laughs>
<laughs> good lord. Oh my god. Well, do you know the, uh, you know yeah, the best way to listen to that song is, Ro? I think you play it loud, mate. Yeah, loud. Really you loud. Know PQL. Play Q, Queen loud. Hashtag PQL. Yes, mate. Hashtag PQL. It's absolutely right. Well, that is a huge track. You know what, John? You were saying, you know, uh, about opening the, the, the album with um, We Will Rock You and uh, uh, We Are The Champions and how really you should be finishing the album with that. But actually, they're finishing with It's Late and My Melancholy Blues, and I have no issues with that because <laughs> this is a huge, huge number uh, with a, um, uh, 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 you know, almost with My Melancholy Blues almost as like a afterglowy type kind of epilogue song you know it's amazing um and i love how i mean that 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 last section i mean there is more madness in that song and i i, I encourage all listeners to go and listen to the whole thing but Deaky's bass is going when I mean, it's screaming like a guitar in a lot of that when it goes really fast and mad um in the, at the end of that section and also um just roger is insane through this um, it's like a studio version of a live number for me. It's it's a huge epic rock number. But uh, let us hear what um, uh, Suze Kemmler has to say about It's Late. I think we've talked before about how this is the last Queen epic for a while. Um, probably until, are we going to say, innuendo? So it's like an end of the end, end of an era number and it feels like a distillation of the best stuff from every album that's come before it in one song and it's such a complete work uh it's late it doesn't feel it doesn't feel at all bitty it doesn't feel self-indulgent despite the runtime and it's really euphoric and confident and it feels like they've earned this song so much like it could have closed the album that is great uh it is a, a gorgeous rocker um simon where are you on uh it's like well obviously positive <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i it's i think i might even hate. put this in sort of in, in my top 10 of sort of album sort of tracks if uh, i just i think it's there's so much like as you mentioned the riff is just to die for um the bass line is really, really good. Um, God bless John Deacon. It's a, it's a, it's classic Deakey. Um, mm. But Rogers and I love that bit at the end. The triplets on that Rogers kicking out in on the drums is just mesmerising to listen to. Um, I had I'd, there's a real I had a real special moment with this song when we were actually working on um, the uh, Queen Rock the World documentary because. We had a sequence in there where we needed to give the impression that the the band was sort of going from venue to venue on this sort of massive tour. And it was one of those moments where the editor, a brilliant editor called Christopher Bird, just sort of said to me, you, you wander off for a bit. Leave this with me. I'll 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 do something. And I came back and he had edited this montage sequence together with to It's Late. And it was, just, it was one of those things where it's like, do not touch a frame of that. It was brilliant he did such an amazing job and the song just worked so well with it um it was great that is a glorious anecdote simon that is some good 
editing stories. I like it very much. <laughs> I like it very much. John, it's late. It's a monster, isn't it? It's an enormous, beautiful monster that I love to bits. Um, when I When I bought News of the World on CD when I was 12, it was my 12th birthday and I had £30 in birthday money. And I went to HMV in Bristol and they had a a gold CD. Uh, Now, I am not sure to what extent there was any gold in the CD. (laughs) There was a special kind of like audiophile release of News of the World and it had different CD packaging. And because it was gold, I obviously had to buy it. But it was all the money I had and... I I remember buying it and I got so stressed by the whole decision that I started to cry on the way home. Oh, John! <laughs> because I'd spent all my mon- birthday money on this gold in inverted commas um, edition. And, but then I opened it and it had a, a... You know in the middle of CD cases they have those little sort of teeth that always yeah. break? Yeah. Well, this had a system I'd never seen before where it was like two plastic arms that as you lifted the cds up the arms went like that and released the cd <gasps> right yeah and i remember that cheered me up a bit <laughs> <laughs> but i remember hearing it's late and just thinking it was just amazing and that guitar tone at the start well the guitar tone brian uses all the way through when i first got my brian copy guitar i was sort of fiddling around with it and i couldn't really play guitar and I couldn't make it sound like he made it sound and I didn't have the same amp as him and I didn't have the effects or anything but there's a setting on it that anyone who has one of those guitars will know and I can't remember which one it is but it's it's with the sort of uh, pickup phasing settings. There's a certain switch location where you put it on and it's immediately it's late. It's that exact tone that he uses and I remember just sort of almost strumming the the strings open and going oh my god I sound just like Brian does on It's Late um, so I always absolutely adore that intro um, yeah, and yeah I, I think the song's great and I, that's such an interesting point Sue's made I never really thought that this is their last big track before before hmm. Innuendo hmm. I think it sort of is the sort of one that's sort of over six minutes yeah it kind of is I can't yeah. think of one. I think they've done something. Maybe. As we go, as we go on through the next few albums, maybe there'll be another one. Yeah, maybe. And you go, oh, but I can't think of one. No, it's interesting because I I noticed when listening to it for this, I, I was reading the lyrics on, is uh, off my old vinyl, and instead of splitting into verses, it says on there each verse is scene one, then it's scene two, and scene mm. three. It's a three act structure, right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that it's the only song on on the album where they've sort of done anything like that and they they draw they draw attention to the fact that it's it's a big old number. Mm. Brian um kind of uses this two-handed tapping technique uh, which is when a guitarist hammers strings on the fretboard. Actually, probably producer Giles could explain this better than me. Um, but a guitarist hammers strings on the fretboard with fingers from both hands to create a melodic counterpoint. Uh, and that became enormously popular when Eddie Van Halen used it on his debut album, Van Halen, in 1978, a few months after Brian used it on this song. Um, and, of course, they were good mates as well, right? Um, but it wasn't invented by Brian, that technique. He said... Um, 
uh, I stole it from a guy called Rocky Athas, who said that he stole it from Billy Gibbons in ZZ Top. He was playing in some club in Texas doing hammering stuff. I was so intrigued by it, I went home and played around with it for ages and put it on its leg. It was a sort of double hammer. I was fretting with my left hand, hammering with another finger off the left hand, and then hammering with the right hand as well. It was a problem to do on stage. I found it was a bit too stiff. It's okay if you're sitting down with the guitar, and I reckon if I persevered with it, it would probably become second nature, but it wasn't an alleyway which led very far to my way of thinking. It's a bit gimmicky. But he has used it here, and it's a it's a beautiful thing, right? Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous sound. What else is there to say about it's late other than play Queen loud? Has <laughs> mm. <laughs> so everyone said what they want to say about uh, it's late? Should we move on? Yeah, we okay. could go on forever, Listen, couldn't we? It, it, we could. It is time for news of the world, and there's a lot of news to get through. Here we go. Come on, honey. Brian May presenting the world's leading astronomy festival, AstroFest, as it goes virtual for the first time, which is on the 22nd of April at 7.30. Brian shares how 3D imagery is expanding our understanding of the cosmos. I believe it rocks. Uh, He will discuss his latest astro-stereoscopic books and reveal new stereos from his work with current NASA missions, including the Perseverance Mars rover... Oh, God, I love Dr. Brian May. I love him. Now, uh, the rather rare Radio Gaga extended remix is going to feature on a new Now compilation album. Now that's what I call 12-inch 80s, which is a four-CD box that's going to come out on the 16th of April in the UK. Um, it is only that version, the extended remix of Radio Gaga, has only been made available in the 1992 mail-order release of a uh, box of tricks and the 91 Hollywood records, us version of the works. It's not available on streaming services and it is naturally track one disc one of the new now release. So that is exciting. Find that. Uh, and am I right in thinking, sorry to interrupt when queen are on compilation albums, they ag- agreed to be on them, but they always had to be the first track. Yeah. That was, I love that. That's a Jim Beach manoeuvre all over, isn't it? We love it. Such a <laughs> great, such power. a great ploy. Yeah, it's so good. Now, here's the big news. Twenty uh, fifth of March. This is hot off the press. This has happened today. It has been announced uh, that Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody has reached the rare RIAA diamond status with more than ten million US stale sales and stream equivalents which means that Queen has become the first British band in music history to earn the Diamond Song Award. Um, uh, the iconic song has been officially certified Diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. Uh, and uh, Brian has said, this is incredible news. At times like this, I have to pinch myself to be sure it's real. All those wild dreams we had, this is beyond any of them. Huge thanks to all of us that believed in us over the years and roger said it's wonderful and gratifying thought to know the song has reached out and connected with so many people we thank you all onwards uh, which is very very cool it was named the most streamed song of the 20th century um its companion video recently passed one billion video one billion views on youtube which has made history as the first pre-1990s video to reach one billion views on the pack on the platform um the band's blockbuster compilation platinum collection volume one to three has also just been certified five times platinum these boys 
are able to sell some records, aren't they? <laughs> they I love are. the fact that, that, that they are the first British band to achieve that. You know, here we are, 50 yeah. years after they started, still, yeah. still, still yeah. pioneering. They're the best. Mm. They are the best. Uh, uh, so uh, we also have a very uh, exciting bit of news from uh, Brian May and one Kerry Ellis. Is that right, Simon? Yes. Um, they, they are. They have released a single um, called Panic Attack. Um, and uh, it's a reworking of a, a song they'd previously done on their Golden Days album, I believe. Um, but it's um, got new lyrics with it that are really pertinent to the situation that we're in now and you know what we've been going through over the last year um and it's a really upbeat great track and um brian and kerry launched it live themselves on instagram um, which is very exciting brilliant brilliant well by the time you're listening to this it will be available for you to check out so go check out some lovely new stuff uh, panic attack 2021 right uh, wonderful listen let us get back to the works for the final track on this album it is a beautiful song it's by freddie mercury it's three and a half minutes long and it is called my melancholy blues <laughs> left cold sober baby left me for somebody new I don't want to talk about it want to forget about it want to be intoxicated with that special brew So come and get me Let me Get in that sinking feeling That says my heart is On an all-time low So Don't expect me honey is it not now Suze and John you have been talking about my melancholy blues ever since this podcast started come on Suze <laughs> Lord Chin mate oh wow okay uh, my melancholy blues is really special to me so I used to have a job playing piano on cruise ships and I'd throw songs like this and spread your wings and nevermore in 
mainly for myself. And my Melancholy Blues was the one song uh, that people would come up like in a break and go right that one you play you played about 10 minutes ago what what was that what was that they all people it used to make because it's it's like i was there to provide background songs but mm. that song obviously made people go oh what's that um and i used to, they'd go it's amazing what song is that <laughs> and and i would feel so proud that i could tell them it was queen oh. and i don't know what the hell i was proud for like, i didn't chuff in right it i didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I didn't rearrange it i didn't even change the key but so there's nothing for me to be really proud of, but I, what I was proud of was that a deep cut Queen song got people like listening. Um, and I just think it's so, it's such a special song. It's also a song that we had a live version on the single of The Miracle. Uh, there was, a, I think, a live version from 77 is on this single for The Miracle. So I've had this song in my life since I was five. Yeah, and it's very special. I think it's my favourite Queen song. Oh! I think it is. I think mm -hmm. it's absolutely... I mean, there's there's an awful lot of sort of very close ties. But I think if I, think if I were able to orchestrate it so, I think if, if I knew I only had one Queen song to listen to before I shuffled off this mortal coil, I think it would probably be my Melancholy Blues. Mm. And it's so unlike anything else Queen ever did. And it's it feels very Freddy. Personal um, as well, right? Very personally mm. Freddy. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, what would Freddy be doing if were he still alive? And I can imagine him singing this sort of song somehow, somewhere. Mm. Um, I, I, I would love to know. It's so hard to sing. And I would love to know Suze's take on Freddy's voice in this song because... He's he's going through such a sort of change in range, mm, mm -hmm. and it, I I like try singing it in the shower, <laughs> and it's I mean it's so quickly it becomes undoable, and it right it but it you didn't you wouldn't listen to it and think oh my god that's a voice at its absolute sort of mm -mm. maximum capacity, but it is so hard to sing. Yeah, so the reason for that is. That every voice has a the break and it's not the top of your range it's sort of the top third of the range it'll break on women it's around a d e flat e on men it's about two-thirds of an octave lower on that freddie covers his break like the 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 pinnacle of singing is the invisible break so someone who covers their whole break and freddie does that in this he's using his break so the voices you can hear when the voice is semi flipping into falsetto but because it's freddie it feels like one um cohesive whole the vocal performance uh, it's almost a shame to break his singing down into the technicalities in this particular song but that's what's going on and that's why it's so hard to sing it's sit the tessitura of it is sitting so much of it around the male vocal break and he covers that so it sounds effortless but it also sounds fragile and i love a voice in danger and i think that's why i love freddie's voice so much because quite often he's on the edge and he's using that to be very vulnerable in this song it's got such an end of the night feel hasn't it it's mm. just that it's yeah just it's like so set him up joe <laughs> i can i can just imagine him like when I hear this song, I imagine him sort of coming home to uh, one of those big 
sort of London townhouses hmm. and putting a putting his silk scarf down and taking off his jacket and turning on the lights and pouring himself a a vodka or something. It's just got such it's it's so it's really much evocative. its title. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, I've always kind of, similar to you, John, I've always thought it was kind of like, uh, you know, at the end of one of his parties, there's him left with maybe a couple of couple of people that just refuse to leave at the end and they're all mm. like, ties off and he's mm. just chilling out and just entertaining them with this little song. What do you think, Simon? Yeah. I'm exactly that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. an intimate song, isn't it? And you just feel yeah. like it's just you and and the band yeah. left. Yeah. Few, maybe a few waiters yeah. clearing some tables, hoping you'll just yeah. sod mm-hmm. off in a minute so they can go home. But we're going to have yeah. one last whiskey for the road, aren't we? While Freddie yeah. just tinkles on the piano, they... I love it. And um, a little special mention: I think this might be—is this the only Queen track where Roger plays the drums with brushes? Might be, possibly. Oh, could be. But um, one yeah. thing I've got on on that is that the first first fifty seconds of the song apparently are free time. Uh, After yeah, it's Roger... a, it's like um, recitative, which is. A, you don't really find it in jazz. It's in a, it's in a, a jazz or blues. That's a real classical thing to have a recit section, but it doesn't feel out of place with the song. Unbelievable, yeah. And then apparently Roger counts in, and the rest of the songs then in beat. Um, although um. you don't hear him counting in, obviously on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the song doesn't have any backing vocals or guitar, but Sue's. That a version of the song that you were talking about from the 28th of October 1977, the BBC sessions, which uh, Simon played us some clips from earlier, you can hear some Brian playing along with it. And I just thought we could listen to the second half of the song. Great. Because this was one of the songs where I was just like, can we just play the whole song? So I've <laughs> done words around this way. So we can hear this with guitar now. Freddie's laugh at the end. I love it. I love it. It sounds beautiful. Uh, I love. I always love it when they refer to the ending of the song coming up. That coming to my enclosure is so fun. And uh, I think uh, Roger does it on "I'm in Love with My Car." Right? He goes, "And this is the end now." <laughs> you know, I just, I just always tickled by that. I love those quite rare moments where Freddie's voice becomes incredibly intimate. Yes. And it's it's like he's right in your ear, yeah. and obviously some so many Queen songs are so big and bold and so sort of forceful that just to have him 
almost like he's sat next to you. Mm. I absolutely mm. adore it. And Brian's guitar well, there. Doesn't he? Yes. Br- yeah. Brian's guitar there sounds like a Jimi Hendrix solo played at a tenth of the speed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't know what else there is to say about this wonderful, wonderful track. It is a beautiful thing. I, I feel <laughs> we could talk about it for hours. But listen, it is time for the toughest bit of the show. It is time for the Queen de la Queen. Made in heaven, made in heaven. All right, guys, buckle up. Simon doesn't look as comfortable as he did last time. He's got his head in his hands. All right, Suze Kempner. We don't have any hit singles on this side of the album, so which of these beautiful tracks are you putting forward for the Queen de la Queen playlist on Spotify? That's easy. Oh, yeah? Get down, make love. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's my melancholy blues. Is it? It was, it was only ever going to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I understand. Simon, where are you at? <sighs> I know. Um, I know. I'm finding it hard this time as well. It is hard. I have a feeling that my Melancholy Blues is going to make it onto the Queen de la Queen, and I think that is entirely accurate. However, I am just going to vote for It's Late so it gets an honourable mention. <laughs> well, you can't try and influence things like that, Simon. Yes, I can. I just okay, did. fair enough, you did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, John, where are you at, mate? Well, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure my melancholy blues is gonna get on the Queen Della You just Queen. said it was so your th- favourite Queen song. Yes, but uh, but to remember how this works, I I am thinking about who has the casting vote. I am obviously voting for my melancholy blues. Oh I see, I, oh I see. Yeah, I I love it to bits. I also absolutely adore it's late, yeah. um, but it's 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 a very close second to my melancholy blues for me. Yes. Okay, so uh, I'm loving how manipulative this section of the show is becoming. <laughs> it's really it's very uncomfortable for me. Listen, I am voting for it's late, uh, uh, and I'll come back to it in a minute when we talk about um, our favourite track from the whole album. But I am going for it's late because it's the one. It's one of those tracks that I, I'm desperate for non-Queen fans to hear. I really am. Um, and also, it's six and a half minutes. Like, that is good value. There's nothing else like My Melancholy Blues yeah. in Queen. Mm. I think you can get elements of its late elsewhere. I just think it's My Melancholy Blues is such an outlier. And just like Sue said, when you play it to people, they go, oh, my God. Yeah. Not just, is that Queen, but... I love that song. We've got two votes for It's Late and two votes for it's My Melancholy Blues. And I'm telling you, with my casting vote, that the track that is making it on to the Queen de la Queen on side B of News of the World is... My Melancholy Blues. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're too kind. That's right. Absolutely. That was like, close. Um, oh my god. So much emotional manipulation. I can't believe it. That was that really hurt. Listen, uh, we get to pick one uh, track from the whole album that isn't one of the big singles. Um, uh, John, for you, it's by Melancholy Blues. Yes. And Suze, are you the same? Yes, I played this song to a friend of mine. He's an Olivier award-winning composer, Richard Thomas. He wrote Jerry Springer, and I played him this, and he's he's a tough man to please, and he went, wow, this is 
effing brilliant. Wow. So that okay. exact that thing That is an endorsement. Yeah. yeah, fair play. Simon, where are you at? Blues. One track from the whole album. What do you want? Yeah, to my melancholy blues is a real contender. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with spread your wings. Oh, lovely! Oh, what a lovely yeah. choice. And. And the reason why my Melancholy Blues was uh, the deciding vote was because I have written here, if I had to pick one track from the whole album, it would be my Melancholy Blues. So, there we go. How fantastic. My goodness. Well, there you have it. What an episode. Do you know that's the last album this season? Oh, my word. Right? Oh, my God, of course. We're getting on to jazz in season three, fingers crossed, later in the year. Also, I've just found out I'm going to be chatting to Brian May next week. (gasps) That's amazing. Congratulations. Wow. That is new single with Kerry. Oh, John, that's wonderful. Good for you, man. Um, What a treat. Amazing, amazing, amazing. All right, there you have it. Please email us with your stories and questions, queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. We absolutely love hearing from you. We will put as much as we can uh, in the podcast for you. The last episode of the season, a couple of episodes away, will be a um, uh, a fan special, so we'll put loads and loads on. If, in fact, uh, Patreons, if you um, record a little audio of you asking a question, we'll play that in. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, uh, got a few more Patreons to thank. Uh, Scott Grady, out in Atlanta. Uh, Breeline Clark. Breeline Clark, Breeline Clark. Sorry if I'm spelling that wrong, Breeline. Um, uh, Bree, I'm calling you Bree. Bree Clark, Nancy Papowski as well. Uh, thank you to all of you, uh, wonderful patrons um, and uh, Bohemians. You will be getting deets on 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 our first Q and A session very soon. Uh, so please spread our little wings, please. If you love the podcast, chances are other Queen fans will love this too. Spread the word. Do put those ratings up there. Do get those uh, uh, reviews out. I can't tell you how important it is um, uh, to help us keep going because uh, we love doing this and it's so lovely that you love us doing this. So we want that to keep going really very much. Uh, and I always find a little wisdom in these songs. So until next time, everybody, get down and make low woe woe <laughs> safely <laughs> and respectfully. Thank you to Suze, Simon, John and producer Giles. Goodbye! This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production, edited and produced by me, Fergus March. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. (laughs) 